Hello, and welcome to the Onside Kick Family Hour. This is Ryan Van Biver, your host, NFL editor for SB Nation. With me, as always, are Stephen White and Danny Kelly. How are you guys doing today? Doing well. Excellent. Well, it's always good to have uh, our distinguished gentleman here to talk a little football, and we've got some football on the agenda. It's week four. We'll be a quarter of the way through the NFL season this time next week, and that seems just kind of crazy how fast it's all going by, but we've got three quarters to go, so that's sort of a, <laughs> um, you know, your typical glass half full type guy, so. It's weird. It, it does not seem like it's already been a quarter of the season. It just seems like we're just getting out of the gate right now. Yeah, it really feels like that. And and I feel like we still don't really know who anybody is, like who teams are yet. And I think a lot of teams are kind of in the same way. They don't really know who they are just yet, <laughs> except for you know the handful of uh, the ones at the top of each conference. And we'll get to that in a second. I wanted to start this week. Um, I, I think you know we usually hit some of the bigger news, and this is big news that happened on Sunday. But I think it's ramifications. We're going to see the first bit of the ramifications of it tonight in tonight's game. Um, ben Roethlisberger's out for a while. I'm not quite sure how long he's out. It's one of those uh, quarterback injuries, so it, it could be it could be four weeks, it could be six weeks, it could be eight weeks. Um, they haven't put him on the temporary IR, so that's always a good sign that they don't feel like it's going to be, you know, one of those deals where it's a minimum of. Um, of eight weeks like it like it is with Tony Romo so it's probably a good sign for the Steelers but uh it's a short week and that's kind of a tough thing to have it's a tough thing in and of itself but man when you got to get a new quarterback in the lineup and up to speed and, and, and they're probably lucky it's Michael Vick and not a rookie but uh yeah how does this hurt the Steelers you guys what do you think well it's obvious like you know uh, Mike Vick has been a turnover machine in the last couple of years so that's kind of a concern and, you know, he's not getting any younger, so, of course, you have to wonder, you know, really what he has nowadays. Um, that said, I think it's, you know, like you said, he's a veteran. He, he's got a lot of experience. They'll probably, you know, change the offense a little bit to suit his skill set a little bit. And so um, that could be really interesting. I, you, know, you could be worse in terms of the backup quarterback situation, I think. Um, so, and, and they have enough playmakers on that offense, I think, to kind of, like, you know, make up for the loss of Roethlisberger, though. They're probably not going to try and attack deep quite as much or do some of the things that Roethlisberger is so good at. Yeah. So it, it changes things for them, obviously, as it, as it would with any, you know, starter, star starter going out. Uh, I can't believe, personally, that he didn't tear his ACL. That hit looked pretty bad. I, people during the game, people were like, "It's got to be broken." There's just you know yeah. the way it looked. But I'm gonna throw it over to Steven. Steven, what do you think? The I mean, how much of an adjustment do the Steelers have to make to their offense with Vic in there? What is it? What's it gonna look like? Well, just to be honest with you, I think it's gonna look pretty much exactly the same. I think in a lot of ways, this offense is probably best suited to his talents uh, more so than the West Coast offense he's been playing in. I mean, he's been doing okay in those offenses, but as Danny uh, alluded to, he's also been a turnover machine. The Steelers, they like to run the ball, and they like to throw the ball deep. Guess what Michael Vick can do? Hand the ball off, and he can throw the ball deep. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> you know, especially when Martavius Bryant comes back next next week, oh, that's right. uh, you know, they got Le'Veon Bell back, so they can use him to the fullest now and just keep feeding him the football. And then when you need to th- chunk the ball down the field uh, – Michael Vick can certainly still do that. So uh, he, he had, like, on the first play of the game when he was in, I think he threw, like, a, a wheel route to, to Le'Veon Bell last week anyway. He, he yeah. can do that kind of stuff. You know, it's, it's more so when you you got to have him throwing on time that I actually worry about him fitting into an offense. But when he can kind of do a little bit like Ben, move around the pocket a little bit, buy himself a little bit, bit of time, and then chunk it down the field – that sounds a lot like the Michael, the kind of offense I'd like to see Michael Vick in at this point in his career. And, you know, and they're going up against the Ravens tonight. And the Ravens, now this is talk about a shocking development so far <laughs> through the early season. The 0-3 Ravens. And they're favored tonight. And I think a lot of it has their home, or they're at Pittsburgh, which is sort of unusual that they're favored on the road. But um, that Ravens defense has not really looked like the Ravens defense we're used to seeing. I mean, this is... Is there some potential for a surprise, at least for the uh, for the people making the gambling picks on the Ravens tonight? 
Well, I, I think there is, you know, some room for surprise. I, you know, you get to the point where you just figure a team is so good and they're 0-3, there's no way they're going to go to 0-4. Yeah. But it, it, sometimes it works out that way. And so I think a lot of it has to do with can Michael Vick, because Michael Vick wasn't there for training camp, for all the training camp either. You know, he kind of came in on the tail end when they had a backup get hurt. He hasn't been there all offseason either. So how quickly can they get him up to speed on the full playbook? That remains to be seen. But all things being equal, man, you know, they lost Terrell Suggs uh, with another Achilles injury. Um, they're hurting from that standpoint of not just having a, a guy who can make plays the outside linebacker, but somewhat of a leader, you know, just yeah. you know, kind of uh, a guy who picks his spots. And when they really need a play, Terrell Suggs usually made a play, and, and they really haven't kind of recovered from that yet. They still have a lot of talent on their defense without a doubt. C.J. Mosley is a monster in his second year. But guys need to be more disciplined. They had a whole bunch of penalties last week, and they need to find that guy other than Dumaville, who, you know, is a good pass rusher but a little bit limited physically playing three downs. They need to find another guy on the outside that can make some plays for them. Yeah, if only they could clone Steve Smith and turn him into a defensive back, and then he could <laughs> just try to carry the team like he did with the offense last week. <clears throat> One of the better Steve Smith performances in the recent in recent years. You couldn't no. tackle him. That was crazy. Yeah, I think I just got. Um, I was actually looking at the short term IR rules because I guess Pittsburgh couldn't put Ben on short term IR even if they want to because they already have Pouncey on there. So. Oh, okay. That makes sense. A quick clarification for the folks out there in radio land today. (laughs) Well, so the Steelers are a little better situation with a backup quarterback than some of the other teams. And we talked a little bit about this before the show. But, uh, you know, there's the Jimmy Clausen sort of level of backup quarterbacking, which, I mean, really, what, what else is there to say? But then there's Brandon Whedon and Luke McCown, who, you know, they did okay last week. I mean, as a matter of fact, I think Whedon came in right off the bat and didn't – what was that? He, he, he completed 12 or twelve or 14 passes right away, and then his first uh, incompletion – wasn't really an incompletion. It was just an interception. So. <laughs> right, right. And one of the few balls he actually threw uh, more than 15 yards all game. So, yeah, ended up being uh, a nice little interception right there. yeah. He was uh, one off of this uh, NFL record, I think, for consecutive uh, <laughs> completions. Yep. And then it went in Went Whedon. Now, wouldn't that have been great to have Brandon Whedon's name there in the NFL record book for consecutive <laughs> completions? <laughs> and, and Luke McCown had an okay game, too, for the Saints. And, you know, maybe one of the – if you really, you really got to dig for Saints positives this season so far, and that was probably – sort of maybe kind of one of them. And now you might – the Saints are still being a little cagey about whether or not Drew Brees is going to play. I guess if I were a gambling man, I would say he's probably not going to play, just considering how serious the reports of his injury were earlier earlier on in the season. But um, I, was wondering, I was wondering if PFT was going to write an article about how uh, McCown should be the new starter and how they'd have to change <laughs> that whole uh, – They'd have to change that whole ad campaign. To McCown Town. <clears throat> yeah. Lunch pail guy. <laughs> <laughs> Very much so, a lunch pail guy. And now we get, we may, if Breeze doesn't play this week, we'll get Brandon Whedon versus Luke McCown, which I'm sure is the matchup the folks at NBC were gunning for when they nailed down uh, the Sunday night football game this week. Oh, man. <laughs> Who's which team is better off? Which which quarterback is in a better situation? Which team's in a, a better position with one of those guys, Danny? Ooh, that's a tough one. I mean, obviously with with the Cowboys, they can run the ball really well. Um, but I mean, just based on last week, I have to think the Saints are. Um, you know, he's obviously a veteran. You know, he's nothing special, but uh, they've got a lot of talent on that offense that, you know, kind of similar to the Steelers in the sense that you can kind of get the ball to your playmakers and let them do the work um, in theory. And so, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, it's, it's always tough to know, like, like how do you rank backup quarterbacks? But um, just based on last week, you know, he was a little bit better than I think anyone was expecting. And so uh, I'd probably say New Orleans is better off right now. Just, just think of all those teams that could have had Tyrod Taylor for. Whew, yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> Another aside there. He's he's playing really well. 
Stephen, who, who would you take, Luke McCown or Brandon Whedon? Well, I think uh, I definitely wouldn't take Brandon Whedon, so <laughs> it wouldn't really matter what other name you threw out to me. <laughs> Joe Blow. Yeah, I'd take Joe Blow. Uh, <laughs> obviously, I would take <laughs> uh, Luke McCown in this situation. Now, here's the thing, though. I think overall, Brandon Whedon has a much better team around him. Yeah. The problem is, Brandon Whedon, now that, that everybody's seen the film and they see he's not going to throw the ball down the field, guess what's going to happen? Everybody's going to tighten up their coverage on him, and you won't even be able to make the short throws now. So that that's the problem for the Cowboys right now. They're going to have to make up for that lack of pushing the ball down the field for Brandon Whedon. Luke McCown, even for all of his uh, deficiencies, He's going to try to make all the throws. Now, whether he makes them is a different story, but he'll at least try. And as Danny said, they have a bunch of, of, of talent on their offense. A lot of it, guys, you haven't really heard of. Willie Sneed is, is yeah. fast. Man, you know, I, I've never heard that before. And then I looked up, and he's running all up and down, down the field. Uh, you know, they're trying to still get him more integrated into the offense. But, you know, Brandon Cooks. Uh, uh, Marcus Colston, we know about those guys. Those guys can play, man. So uh, I think that McCown probably has a better game. Maybe the, the Cowboys still up in winning the game, however, because they have more talent overall. Saints got C.J. Spiller back, too. Um, yep. Oh, so that's key. Yeah, that'll be an interesting kind of wrinkle for them, the, the Darren Sproles role or whatever. Well, yeah, because they could do some innovative things. I mean, you know, that's for all the criticisms of Sean Payton. I mean, he can still kind of innovate when he has to for that for when you know with with the play calling. So, mm. yeah, that's the potential for. It. So it might not be. I mean, I know everybody's sort of. I, we I joked about it, but it might not be as bad as we think it's going to be with Brandon Whedon and Luke McCown. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe <laughs> she is. It's going to be an ugly ass game. Now. Ain't nobody going to come out that game like. Oh, man, that was entertaining. It'll be entertaining in a way the college football games are entertaining where the shit is just so bad, you can't help but laugh. It's going to be Kristen Michaels' breakout. His, uh, his breakout game, though. Could be. It could be. <laughs> the one we've all been waiting for. <laughs> for a long time. <laughs> was he drafted? He was drafted. Michael was in 2013s when he was drafted, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. That's what I thought. Yeah, he was a second rounder. Um. And people in Seattle have been like, he's he's the hype train guy every year since. And then, obviously, they traded him for nothing this year. And so hey, I don't know. Hopefully, he plays. Speaking of Michael and injuries, I got a question for you, Danny, because this is kind of something that people are asking about. But when it comes to Marshawn Lynch injuries, and they say he's fifty fifty, I just always assume that it's really probably more like ninety ten that he'll play. Right. But um, what is that? What's going on? Is is he maybe? I mean, he doesn't seem to be seriously hurt, obviously, but right. he's centered in that classic Marshawn Lynch early season where you know he's not playing twenty five, thirty snaps a game either. Yeah, he he like misses practice every single week during a regular season. It's like pretty much commonplace for him to do that. He always gets Wednesday off, um, or Wednesday or Thursday, and he's he's been on the injury report. I think like every week going back to like. <coughs> 2011 mm-hmm. um and that said he hasn't missed any games since 2011 the only game he missed is in the seahawks uniform or since then is is this one cleveland game back in 2011 so i mean on one hand it, i am a little bit worried not worried but like i don't think he i think he might not play this week just because he's he's got like three injuries going on right now mm-hmm. a neck half and a hamstring um and they obviously liked what they saw from Thomas Rawls last week, so you know maybe they're going to feel comfortable just kind of like hoping he can get back after after this week. But the way he's done it in the past, it wouldn't surprise me whatsoever if he if he played too, because he's just been kind of an Iron Man for them. And um, you know, so I, I really don't know. I, I had some people asking me that this morning too, and I said he'll probably play, but I'm you know, I wouldn't put my money on it this time just just because you know the age and and everything together so it'll be interesting to see i I have no idea though (laughs) did you see he was in the suite after halftime at the game last week did you see (laughs) that on twitter it was going around a little bit how did i not see that that's funny i didn't see it either yeah he's he's hanging out in the look for a big low 66 on twitter there's a picture of marshawn lynch in the suite Oh right at, at the at the um, the stadium there that day. 
That sounds like Link. hanging out in a leather jacket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a weird guy. <laughs> yeah, someday it's going to come out that they're just—they've maybe let him. They've maybe given him the benefit of the doubt on those early season "quote unquote" injuries, and that's fine. You know, he's a 29-year-old running back. That's the age where most running backs are well past the prime of their career. But you know, here's Marshawn still putting up. You know, last season what four? Four and a half, four point seven yards a game per carry. Yeah. I mean, so I think Lynch is one of the one guys on the Seahawks who kind of just has carte blanche to do whatever the hell he wants to do. And uh, <laughs> I don't know if that's like getting old for people there, but you know, the production like in the last several years is just so undeniable that they kind of just like let him do his thing. But from everything I've heard, you know, he's kind of. Uh, he just does whatever the hell he wants to do. And I mean, we've seen that, like, you know, he just, he talks out against the front office. Like he, uh, you know, he does his thing and he just doesn't seem to give a shit about anything. Um, you know, like what the team might think about it. So, uh, yeah, it's interesting. It'll, it'll be, I, I think, you know, gosh, it's so hard. I think he'll probably end up playing just based on his history, but this could be the week where there's just too much going on. Well, we'll, we'll wait and see it. When uh, when it gets a little close to the playoffs, and the hot take industry puts Lynch back in the uh, crosshairs there, so oh yeah, oh yeah, it's too early in the season for the hot takers to jump on Lynch right now. <laughs> Feels like I mean, it. well, he hasn't looked that great yet, to be honest. Right, he, it, I mean, he looks hurt to me. Yeah, so, he does. Which is they almost need to sit him because then it, then you're going to get what ten days before the next game. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, well, not ten days. Um, a full week, basically, of him being off his feet, trying to get back together. Because, look, he wasn't even out there for the beginning of the game last last week. He was getting his back worked on or something. Yeah. I remember yeah. watching the beginning of the broadcast. So, I mean, when the dude can't, you know, he's not even ready for the beginning of the game, that to me sounds like there's some legitimate issues. Yeah. There. So, and he didn't finish the game, obviously, if he's in the suite at wow. halftime. But, uh, you know, he, he need, you know, he's such a, uh, Focal point on this team, if Thomas Rawls can kind of, you know, uh, uh, help them weather the storm for a week or so, I think it's very smart to go ahead and, and let him rest up and let him get to back as close to 100% as he can before he goes back out there because he hasn't looked great. Yeah. Well, and they've got the Lions this week too, which, you know, that Lions, maybe the Lions are 26 and a half points a game right now. So it's just not like they absolutely must win, do or die kind of game for them this week either. And then they come back and they're on the road against Cincinnati next week, which could be a pretty damn good game the way the Bengals are playing right now. Yeah, that's a, that's one to circle on the on the schedule for Seahawks for sure. It's going to be tough. Yeah, because I think that's where we'll finally get a sense of, I mean, really for both of these teams. I mean, you know, you saw the Seahawks, they dropped the first two games of the season. They looked much better last week against Chicago, especially in the second half of that game. And then now they get the Lions again, which is a good, at home, which is another good kind of opportunity for them to, get back to 500 and then you get the Bengals and that'll be kind of a it's a big moment speaking of the Bengals um they look like the second best team in the AFC right now is there does anybody argue with that am I crazy for saying that uh no I mean you could have you could argue with the Broncos I think you could argue about the Broncos being potentially that team but right now since he looks more complete um you know, because I think their offense has been a lot better than anyone I think maybe expected, especially Andy Dalton. So, um, I mean, yeah, it, they look like they're definitely top three, and and you know, you could argue they're they're better than the Broncos. So, uh, yeah, that's an interesting team right now. Um, right, right now, just you know, from what they're putting on film, they're definitely <clears throat> the number two team. Uh, you know, the Broncos, we know what they could possibly do makes them a contender. But what they've actually been doing on film hasn't actually matched up, especially on offense. Yeah. With, with, you know, we're seeing good Andy Dalton right now. And when you get good Andy Dalton, he can pretty much do anything he wants to. Yeah. And, you know, they got a bunch of weapons on offense. They got two really good running backs. Their defense is still playing well. Geno Atkins looks like the guy we saw a couple of years ago, you know, the, the one that nobody could block. And so, uh, and they still don't even have a uh, perfect back yet. Imagine how much better they're going to look when yeah. he's ready. So, uh, you know, 
I know that potentially on paper, uh, the, the Broncos still, you know, kind of uh, 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 probably seen as more of a contender. And let's be honest, none of us really trust Andy Dalton to keep this up. <laughs> but if he can, and if he does, then they're by far, far and away, I think, the number two team behind the Patriots right now. Yeah, and you know, I, I was just looking at the numbers too. It's like this is Eifert missed Tyler Eifert, the tight end, missed all of last. Well, he played one game last season before he got hurt and missed the rest of the year. But you know, he's playing really well to have to, to start the season, and that's it's made a big difference. It seems like with Dalton's play and then the overall offense. But to have AJ Green obviously healthy and on the field, and Tyler Eifert out there to get the two of them together. You know what I mean? Plus, Marvin Jones and Mohamed Sanu are both kind of underrated, really good receivers, yeah. too. They've got some weapons on that offense. And that offensive line is sneaky good, too. I mean, everybody talks about the Cowboys' offensive line, but that Bengals' line has been really good this season. Yep. And Dalton's been sacked twice. I mean, I know sacks aren't the, the end-all, be-all number to judge offensive line play, but you know, to only be sacked twice through three games, that's not a bad number to have if you're a quarterback. Yeah, and Dalton's been, you know, decisive with the football, too, and that really helps. You know, they, they just look uh, like they're clicking right now. Um, what stood out? You were looking at some of the tapes, obviously, for today's piece, Danny. What what has stood out to you the most about Dalton's play? Well, I mean, like I said, he's really been decisive and, and quick with the football, getting it out. You know, he's not, uh, you know, get, going back and, and trying to make too much happen. He, he's getting the ball out to his open players. Um, he's attacking downfield when he gets blitz. I think I saw an, uh, a stat that said he's like got a 140 rating when he's getting pressured, um, which is really good. And, and uh, you know, he had a couple of really deep balls this last week against the uh, Ravens where he had pressure in his face and he threw it down the sideline and got, uh, I think he had AJ green early on in the game. And then he hit Marvin Jones later in the game on that key drive, mm-hmm. um, that to end the game. And so, you know, he's hitting some really, you know, really good throws, He's scrambling around when the pressure comes and, and making plays. Uh, you know, he had a scramble touchdown last week. He had a scramble uh, play on the, the, like I said, that last drive that got them the win. He had a scramble where he dumped it off to Gio Bernard. Yeah. Um, where he, Gio really almost could have taken that to the house if he hadn't stepped out of bounds. Um, so, yeah, he, he's playing really well. He's, he's kind of, you know, they talked to, Hugh Jackson talked about, they got a little bit of the, uh, the backyard element to their offense and, and they do, you know, because they, they run some pretty interesting things there. Um, but he's, he's been good, like both in the pocket and kind of scrambling around using his athleticism. Um, you know, obviously there's like this whole, uh, narrative around him that you can't really forget right now. You know, it's like the whole fool me once shame on you fool me twice yeah. shame thing. It's like, you don't want to really buy into it too early, but he does, he looks really good so far. And so, Maybe he has kind of, you know, turned that corner or whatever, that cliche, like taking the next step. Um, you know, it wouldn't be the first guy who kind of figured it out and is, you know, in fifth year or so. Like, he kind of started to finally figure out what's going on. Yeah, and through his first <coughs> interception of the season last week, too. And that's, you know, I mean, I know he has, he's always had streaks where he doesn't throw a lot of picks, but that's really... You know, it's not getting bailed out by good luck so far with the picks. You know what I mean? Yeah. Steve, and that you throw, to say something? I mean, that throw was all right. That throw wasn't even that terrible. He underthrew a back corner, like, fade in it. Right. And I think he put a little too much air under it, and so it got picked off. But the other thing I was going to say is it's a good sign that um, even though he did have that fumble that, that was returned for a touchdown in the fourth quarter, that he didn't let that get to his head. And that's kind of been one of the problems in the past, I think, is, like, mm. something bad will happen, and then, like, he just falls apart. Um, in this game, he you know stormed back and, and led them down to like the game-winning touchdown, and so that I think that's really got to be encouraging for Bengals fans. Yeah, for sure. Steven, you started to say something? No. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I just didn't want anybody getting cut off or anything here. No, I want to go to another team in the AFC. Um, let's talk about the Patriots just briefly. I know people just love to talk about the Patriots. Everybody says they don't want to talk about the Patriots, don't want to hear about Patriots. But then it's like you post stuff about the Patriots, and it's like, oh, yeah, people like to talk about the Patriots. <laughs> a lot of hate clicks when you got Patriots in the headlines, too. <laughs> Did you guys see um, this morning 
it was in the Boston Herald. Uh, this is one of those really cool things, and I'm anxious to kind of go back and take another look at it with the with the tape later because I hadn't really I hadn't watched a lot of Patriots games closely since the first week of the season. So I'm kind of anxious to go back and take a closer look at this. But uh, how they're using they've used nine different offensive line combinations on purpose this season for offense, and they'll rotate those guys in and out, and they they practice with ten formations, and then they rotate them in and out based on the plays and based on the situations they want to get. Have you ever heard of anything like that before, Stephen? I mean, is that does it? It seems unusual to me. Yeah, pretty. It seems pretty unusual to me too. And I, I actually hadn't noticed it um, while watching the film much. Um, mostly because you know what, <laughs> Tom Brady is getting the ball out of his hands right away. So yeah, yeah. May, maybe that's kind of the, the thinking is that. We don't really need, you know, Willie Rolfe out there right now. Yeah. We just need kind of, you know, some guys to get reps and, and, and learn from playing and, and have everybody ready for the long haul just in case we have any injuries. Because, uh, you know, like I say, you, you just don't see him getting hit very much because somebody's always open and he's always getting the ball out on time, it seems. So uh, that's the only thing I could think of. But even then, man, it seems like a huge risk, a huge unnecessary risk that most coaches – wouldn't even consider because your quarterback is just too valuable to you in this day and age. Yeah. Yeah, I just thought it was interesting to read about because, you you know, most teams have nine offensive line combinations, and it's usually because all at least four or five of them have been hurt. I mean, you know, you watch some teams long enough, you just don't even bother to learn the guys' names because you know they're going to change from week to week. I mean, it's sort of the state of offensive line play. Is the Patriots not – this is interesting. I, I was just looking at the Patriots' schedule, and, I mean, I, you know, I don't want to get ahead of myself and say, oh, yeah, 0-16 for sure. They're on a bye this week, but they don't have a real tough – I mean, they got the Cowboys coming out of the bye. I think that week, week six game against the Colts is interesting just because of all the crap that's gone on in the offseason. But, I mean, those both look like slam-dunk wins for the Patriots right now. So you're looking at 0-5 – and then they get the Jets in week seven. Are we, I mean, are the Patriots, you know, as long as they're healthy, are they the best team in the AFC? I think they are. They look pretty unstoppable. I mean, there's, there's a reason people have talked about how they, you know, they compare to the 2007 team. Was it seven, 2007 when they went yeah. undefeated during the regular season? Yeah. I mean, I think there's a reason people are talking about that. They've gotten off to a crazy start, you know, where they look pretty much unstoppable on offense. Brady has basically done whatever he wants to do. Um, so it does bring back memories of that, you know. Um, so it could be a while before they lose. Somebody's going to um, go ahead. Uh, well, I think you meant like 4-0. and You were saying like 0-4. Oh, but, uh, <laughs> well, you know, same but, thing. <laughs> same, same, same thing, you know. Uh, I'm sure the Lions would agree. But uh, <clears throat> the thing is, <clears throat> they're also playing pretty well on defense as well. Yeah. And it's so easy to get caught up in Brady, you know, throwing 58 times and, and all that good stuff. But when they're really humming, those Belichick coach defenses are also very productive as well. And you saw it against the Bills, man. They had well, how many sacks against the Bills and Tyrod Taylor? Um, and, and, you know, they're generating pass rush now. They're doing well in coverage now, even without, you know, Revis and Browner having left this offseason. So, uh, you know, just all around on that team, guys are contributing right now. And, and you know, they keep tinkering with the roster. They just – yeah, uh, Just brought in Bostick. Brought in uh, uh, Keem Hicks and Bostick. Uh, from two different teams. Uh, they traded away one of their tight ends. I guess they figured, hell, we got so many, we might as well share. <laughs> um, and, but, you know, it, it's weird because, I mean, how many 3-0 and teams are doing that? Consistently yeah. still trying to find upgrades, no matter how small. And so, you know, it'd be interesting to see how this all plays out in the end because um, I, I want to say, yeah, it is comparable to, you know, their magical season when they went 16-0, and 0, but they're doing it a different way. You know, you're pushing the ball down the field with Randy Moss and, you know, had the little uh, 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 crossing routes with Wes Welker. But, man, Edelman, Gronk, all these different tight end combinations, uh, you know, it, it's just so many different ways they can move the, the ball down the field on you. And 
of course, Deion Lewis, who kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's that, you mentioned the sacks, but that front seven, I mean, when that was kind of the thing going into this season, it's like, well, they don't have Revis back, so obviously there's more pressure on their front seven. And they went out and they signed Jabal Shiard, the defensive end from the Browns, who I think he already has two sacks for him through three games. And it's been, you know, that's one of those kind of under-the-radar Patriots that might be the best free agent signing of the offseason so far. I mean, I, I guess outside of the the Jets rebuilding their secondary from a while back, but it's a, you know, two sacks already. You got Chandler Jones with three. Jamie Collins has three and a half. It's just, I mean, that front seven's been incredible so far. 13 sacks. They're tied with the Rams for the most in the the NFL right now. That's kind of Except they win. (laughs) waiting for that imagine that i know <laughs> i know right <laughs> i said i was gonna let it all go and then i watched that game last week i'm like man i just can't let it all go <laughs> that fi- when the field caught fire when the turf caught oh, fire on the God. field i thought this this is my favorite nfl thing right now <laughs> well, it might be for the rest of the season <laughs> just poetic <laughs> that definitely didn't seem like a good sign a good omen <laughs> and then when i heard fisher come out in the press conference on monday he's like you know we're just a few plays away from being oh and three or three and oh yeah i guess you are (laughs) sunny side up sunny side up but no that's been a good the patriots thing so sorry i didn't mean to interrupt oh no go ahead the week you like sidetracked of course (laughs) every week you tweet the same thing like young team gonna clean it up what, what's the, what is it that you say? Come play Back out there next week. Yep. No, you got to have something about the bad. Well, we didn't agree with, with – there were only two of those calls we agreed with this week. <laughs> I mean, meaning they got fucked over on, on 10 of the 13 penalties they committed. In that game. <laughs> I don't know. It just, it's really funny. Well, that's a good uh, – that's an awkward segue into the NFC conversation. And it looks like right now the uh, – you got kind of a similar situation where you've got the Packers as sort of on top, and then a couple steps down, you've got some other teams in the mix there for uh, you know to claim the early claim on the best teams in the conference right now. And you got to say, I mean, I know Atlanta's three and zero, and Carolina's three and zero, but that Cardinals team to me is still two steps above either of those. I mean, that that Cardinals team looks really good right now. Yeah, they've been throttling people. I, I really like the Cardinals. I think their defense makes them really dangerous because, um, you know, obviously with Aaron Rodgers, he's r- ridiculously good, almost unstoppable, really. Um, but I don't know if I trust the Packers' defense quite as much. Um, and that might not matter in the long run, really, but I think the Cardinals are really balanced. They have really good special teams. They have really, really good defense, and now their offense is looking, like, unstoppable. So... I think they're they're a really dangerous team. I think they kind of remind me of the Seahawks the year they won the Super Bowl in the sense that they like flying around, super confident, um, you know, kind of the devil may care attitude. Like feel everyone, they got that chip on their shoulder kind of mm-hmm. feel to them. Um, so I, I'm I'm really bullish on the Cardinals. I'm you know I I don't necessarily think that right now that they're better than the Packers, but I put them over the Packers in my power rankings this this week just because they've been just destroying teams. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, obviously the power rankings are a bit fluid as it goes along, but well, sure, um, sure. I'm, I'm high on the Packers <laughs> right now, or on the Cardinals right now. They're averaging 42 points a game right now. And they can score. <laughs> they can throw the ball down the field. Uh, Steven, what has stood out to you about the Cardinals so far <clears throat> when you watch them this season? Well, their defense, man, it, it, to me, uh, it kind of rivals the Jets' defense. Where you have mm-hmm. this outstanding secondary, and then you have – uh, a, a pretty good front seven as well, and they're blitzing all over the damn place, and you still can't find anybody to throw to because the coverage is so good. Yeah. They got a bunch of playmakers. You know, Patrick Peterson, he's looking to take it back for six. He ain't looking to knock the ball down. The same thing can be said for Honey Badger. Yep. Those guys aren't going for pass breakups. They're going for pick sixes. And so uh, that makes their defense almost as dangerous as their offense. And then you look at a, a guy like Larry Fitzgerald who looks 
10 years younger all of a sudden, you know, maybe on one of his travels, he, he actually found the family. <laughs> I don't know. But hey. this guy is fucking balling, man. It, I mean, he, he looks like a monster out there again. And then you got the other guys as well. Hell, they aren't even healthy. You know, they still got uh, the other wide receivers hurt with, you know, with the her, broke his fingers or whatever in the preseason. Uh, Andre Ellington has been out. They had to pull Chris Johnson, out, you know, off the street to bring him in for Andre Ellington. And and that offense hasn't missed a damn beat. And, no, and, and see, the, the offensive good. line, the offensive line still isn't, I think, intact. Uh, their big free agent assignment, uh, sign, well, uh, signing this year, <laughs> uh, the offensive lineman from uh, Lupati from uh, mm-hmm. the 49ers, I don't even think he's played. So again, no. this team is, is 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 kicking people's asses for the first three weeks, and they still potentially could be could get better. Once those guys get healthy. So, look, man, uh, you know, and I love the Packers. I, I definitely think Aaron Rodgers had more than a mediocre game the other day. <laughs> um, um, but but I'm not so sure that they're actually better than the Arizona Cardinals right now. Well, and Ayupati might be back. He could be back this week, but it looks like it's a good bet that he'll be back by week five if he is not back this week because he was – limited in practice and they thought he might play last there was a chance he could play last week so that's i mean there you go right there <laughs> it's just is daryl is daryl washington basically done with football or what's the deal with him because he's like <laughs> he's one of their best players and he's, he's definitely <laughs> suspended yeah didn't he like petition to to be reinstated and wasn't reinstated or something like that? i don't think they ever responded to it even yeah, right. It's it, it, something weird happened with that, like because you know he'd been in so much trouble back to back that I think he was suspended like almost indefinitely, and he's supposed to you know re- apply for reinstatement. And I hadn't heard anything since then. I thought yeah. I thought they might have rejected it, but they might just not have responded by now. Who knows? Well, in the yeah. Cardinals, the last report was the Cardinals have no idea when he could come back. And weird there you situation. had Arians in training camp saying, "I basically I don't know." <laughs> <laughs> so I, you know, and that's like you think, like James says, but you know, he got in trouble, and then he's found the, the NFL has kind of found one of those many, many, many loopholes in the personal conduct policy to keep him off the field. But you haven't really heard the players' union even making much noise over Washington status either. But yeah. they haven't needed him. I mean, it's not like they're <laughs> missing him right now. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean that's yeah that was my point. Is like even that's even without like one of their you know it's been a while since he's been on the team, but he was one of their best players at yeah. that one point. You know, so I, and you know I was going to add to what Steven said about that secondary. It's they're playing for those picks, but they're not giving up. They're not sacrificing. I I can't pull up the exact numbers because um, a certain website that thinks Aaron Rodgers is below average had um. Uh, has changed around things, and I can't access those statistics anymore. <laughs> but um, it's uh, like you see a lot of you always see a lot of cornerbacks that are kind of like that. You know, that one of two outcomes: they're going to get a pick six, or they're just going to get fucking burned on a big play. But those guys don't get burned. I mean, Peterson; yeah. those guys don't get. I mean, they don't sacrifice in coverage to get the pick either, which I think is kind of impressive. Yeah, and on. Uh... Tyron Matthews, two pick sixes. He was, you know, he was looking into the backfield. You know, he wasn't, it wasn't like he was taking crazy chances. He jumped two routes after he was playing with his eyes into the backfield. So, um, yeah, it's like kind of an interesting combination of safeness and taking chances. Uh, and obviously paid off for him in that one. Uh, last week against the, uh, the Niners, obviously, I'm talking about. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, like like uh, Steven said, I think they kind of rival the Jets' defense right now um, just because of the way they're built. And, and it makes tons of sense, obviously, with Bowles being the former coordinator there. I think you know his influence is still felt, obviously. Um, and then, I, like, I, we talked about this during the offseason. Like, teams kind of take on the personality of their head coach, and I think Arians kind of has that, like, rebel – feel to him and, and the Cardinals kind of just feel that way to me like chip on their shoulder like don't give a he- don't give a shit um you know like come at us like come at me bro kind of thing you know and uh it's kind of fun to watch yeah it really is it's been they, they're one of the more interesting teams so far this season and they're playing in London against the Dolphins this week man and if there is 
a team that seems more in line to get its butt kicked, it's the it seems to be the Dolphins. But, oh, you're uh, talking about the Jets, yeah? Yeah, I, and just how bad the Dolphins have been so far this season. What's just going sort on of there? Lifeless. I, I don't know. I, Joe Philbin to me is sort of like the just teams taking on their uh, head coach personality there. <laughs> yeah, kind of. I mean, you could uh, you could make that case. Now, people were kind of poo pooing the schedule this week, but they, like they did last week, and how many of those one p.m. games ended up? kind of nail biters at the end so i i always hesitate uh, when people when people take a dump on the schedule on you know <laughs> tuesday and wednesday of the week before so with that i was going to ask you guys are what games on the schedule are standing out to you this week in week four anything in particular or steven uh well yeah uh, we, <clears throat> uh, we were kind of discussing this uh on email too um you know the the Detroit Lions, man, you got to figure that they are desperate at this point. Uh, I don't think those guys by any means saw themselves being on three to start right. the season. And it's very clear, you know, heads may roll if they don't get this thing turned around. And then, you know, you, you go and you watch Seattle, you know, just how much better were they against the Bears and how much of that was the Bears sucking? You know, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. You got to wonder, right? So, uh, you know, here, here's a team. The Lions are very talented. Talent is not an issue with them. They got all kinds of talent on offense and defense. They just haven't seemed to put it together yet. And so, you know, they're coming out with desperation. They're probably going to try every and anything. I think that game's going to be a lot more competitive than people think, especially if Marshawn Lynch doesn't play. Yeah. It's kind of surprising that Seattle's favored by 10 right now, 10 and a half. And yeah, and you know what? I always, with those double digit spreads, I'm always kind of like, eh, you know. Yeah, yeah. I think that game could be pretty good as well. I, uh, I mean, yeah, it's like the Seahawks, they, they won, and, and I, I think their defense looked pretty good. Obviously, getting a shutout is a big deal, even if it's Clawson at quarterback. Um, but <laughs> the offense, yeah, the offense still, you know, kind of, Looks like they're trying to figure it out, get on the, get on the same page. The offensive line's been bad. Um, so, yeah, it could be interesting. And in the way the Seahawks play, it's uh, we talked about this this week, they're kind of they slow play everything. And so, you know, a lot of the time you go into halftime, it's like a 10 to 7 game or, you know, 6 to 7 or whatever. And, and then you kind of figure out what's going on in the second half. So I could see this game being pretty competitive too, going, going into the third and fourth quarter. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's an interesting one. I, I mean, obviously for me, but just matchups wise, I think it, it could be fun. You know, these two teams haven't played each other since 2012. Yeah. Was that the one in Detroit? It was uh, in Detroit. The Lions yeah. won 28, 24 Stafford had three touchdowns, 352 yards. I remember that's that when Titus Young was still in the league. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. That, that's Last a throwback, huh? <laughs> I hope he's okay now. You know, last I heard, he's like a Texas lawyer. Yeah, um, that's what that was a pretty scare. I mean, that was a, I mean, that was obviously a mental health situation more than just a guy kind of getting in trouble. I mean, there was yeah, yeah, a much greater need there than than what was going on. Um, you know, I was going to ask about this. Uh, now. Everybody would laugh at me for saying this in any other year, but this year maybe not. Maybe it's not so bad. I don't know. I, I keep picking the Jaguars <laughs> and because I think they're going to be better, and then they'll get, just get their asses whooped or something like that. But <laughs> Jaguars at Colts. <laughs> oh. yes. <laughs> I just really just I, I want to get some good chip, good credit built up with uh, with um, Duval Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Look, man, I, I don't know what to, to make of them. To be honest with you, um, man, they keep finding new ways to lose. I give them that. Uh, you know, they, they did win a game though, right? Uh, <laughs> I think they won it too. Yeah. But uh, I, I don't. I don't think you ever watch their film and come away confident that they've turned anybody's corner. <laughs> it's like no. always something where you're just like, "What in the fuck is going on here?" No, and I think that's why that's kind of interesting because they're going, uh, you know, they're playing the Colts this weekend, and the Colts are another team that was, you know, really, whew, 
through three games so far this season. And, yeah. and everybody kept talking about Andrew Luck came. I mean, Andrew Luck did, you know, he played well at the end of that game, obviously, against the Titans. But, I mean, that was Dwight. L- Dwight Lowry was the MVP that day. There's no Absolutely. question Absolutely. about it. And so I don't know what I mean. You 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 watched a little bit of the Colts and talking about that Titans play, that ridiculous Titans two point conversion, which and seeing it on the coaches film. I hadn't seen it on the coaches film until I got that piece up today. Was just stunning in and of itself. But um, this Colts team, man. So this Colts and Jaguars, it's the in a AFC South battle of inconsistency. It ought to be a ought to be a humdinger. <laughs> what stood out to you about the Colts when you saw that, when you watched that tape, Steven? Well, look, I mean, the good part is the end of the game, right? The, the end of the game, he finally yeah. hooks up with Philip Dorsett, which they, they haven't been uh, on the same page uh, all year. Uh, then he, then he, uh, he throws another touchdown, like one play after uh, Dwight, uh, Dwight Lowry's second interception of the game. Uh, so it, it seems like he started to kind of get in the groove. I'm talking about Andrew Luck mm-hmm. at the end of the game. And, and Frank Gore, now to be honest, Frank Gore actually played pretty well all game. Yeah. So I think that's going to help them a lot too. The fact that Frank Gore, you know, looked like he kind of was the Frank Gore of old for most of that game. I think he was pissed off still about that fumble against the Jets. Um, and so if they can get that out of him every game, I think they'll do a lot better. But, you know, you still have Andrew Luck making poor decisions. He had two interceptions in that game. And, you know, no matter whose fault it is, like, you can't keep turning the football over. That's, yeah. that's something that their coach was absolutely right about. You know, you would like to feel like that offense would score so many points that it wouldn't matter. But right now, they're, they're not hitting on all cylinders, so it does matter. I think, you know, you did see Robert Masson. Robert Mathis uh, make an impact play. Uh, he, he came back and got a sack. So their defense is coming around. Their secondary is a little banged up. You know, when they get those guys back, they'll play better. But at the end of the day, Andrew Luck has to be better with the football. When he is, they have a chance to win every game. But when he's not, anybody can probably beat them. I don't think the Jacksonville quali- that Jacksonville qualifies as anybody this week. <laughs> you know. But you just never know, right? You give anybody enough chances, and hey, you could go down in flames. Yeah, and I was looking for the number because Andrew Luck has thrown a lot of. I mean, he's thrown seven interceptions this season already, which is by far the lead. You know, more than anybody else. Um, so that seems, you know, less than ideal if you're the Colts right now. And I don't really know what. I mean. What exactly is going on with the? And keep in mind, you got two rookie quarterbacks starting right now too, and he has way more than them <laughs> as well. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, and he's got Jay, only Jay Cutler. Jay Cutler, well, Blake Bortles is in there with more interceptions than Andrew Luck since the start of 2014. So, um, the Jaguars have never the Jaguars under Gus Bradley have never beaten the Colts. I don't know. Yeah, if the this Colts is the have dominated. The Colts have dominated that division for like four years. I think they only lost one time. But this seems like the season that somebody could step in there and do that. Now, had the Titans, like Steven said in his thing today, had the Titans won that game, they would have been 2-1 and one and in what passes for command in the AFC South right now. Yep, commanding lead. Yeah. Why? Because the, the, <laughs> guy, the, the team that you think was the front runner would be 0-3. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, you can't eliminate them at 0-3, but things start to look a lot better when they're in the basement and you're at the top. Yeah, and already down in the, you know, with those division games too, which is obviously going to, you know, hurts them to be in that situation. I, are the Colts, I mean, can the Colts get it together? I mean, are, or is this going to be kind of a scramble with them all season? That's so tough to know because last year they started out 0-2 also, you know. Um, but they really haven't looked good. You know, the, the stat that I heard last week was, you, you're right that Bortles has more picks, but uh, there's no player with more turnovers since the start of 2014 other than Andrew Luck. He's even worse than Jay Cutler in that sense. Yeah. So that's, uh, yeah, that's bad. I mean, obviously he throws the ball a ton, but, um, yeah, I mean, that that's going to be, they, he has to get that taken care of, or otherwise he's just going to be sinking the, the Colts. You know, maybe they're not as good. 
maybe they don't have quite a, uh, a big of a gap in talent as they used to in that division. And, you know, turnovers can really kill you. So, um, I don't know. Like it, It's just really tough to know who the Colts are yet. I think this is one of the teams I still haven't figured out at all. Um, they've got some talented receivers. They've got some talented weapons on offense. Um, but just don't really know if that's going to be enough, if the, if the chemistry is there yet, or if it's going to be there this year. Sure doesn't look like it so far. And, um, yeah, I mean, if the Jaguars beat them, then that'll be <laughs> some interesting storylines this next week. Well, let's, um, let's going from the AFC South to the NFC South, and I think I just heard. I know we haven't released the podcast yet, but I, when I said AFC South to NFC South, I think I heard a couple of people click off the podcast. But oh. I hope you'll stick around because <laughs> it's good. Um, I, I was going to ask, who's the more surprising three and O team, Atlanta or Carolina? I think it's more surprising that Carolina is. Sorry to interrupt you, Stephen. There. Oh, go ahead. I just think it's a little more surprising Carolina's 3-0 because I, I was not expecting anything from their offense. I thought they were going to really struggle on that side of the ball. And Cam Newton is balled out. So, yeah, um, yeah so that, that was a little surprising to me. I think that the, the Falcons have a lot of talent, so it's not completely surprising. I think it's, you know, somewhat surprising because, you know, their defense was garbage last year, but getting Dan Quinn in there and getting some free agents fixed things and, yeah. and you know, hit some of their issues. So I'd say the Carolina Panthers being 3-0 is a little bit more surprising. Steven? Uh, Steven? Oh, I agree 100% with that. Uh, you know, we know that when uh, Kelvin Benjamin got hurt, that put a huge dent into the, the wide receiver core for the Carolina Panthers. And it is, it, and they had Luke e- Keekley go out with a concussion, and he hasn't been back since the first game. And they're still three and zero because primarily Cam Newton has just put them on his back, almost literally, and did whatever he <laughs> yeah. had to do to win the game. You know, the guy did a somersault into the end zone uh, for goodness' sake against <laughs> the Texans, and, and and he had another running touchdown um, <clears throat> this past weekend against the Saints to help them win that game. And so he's just played phenomenally uh, this year, and they've needed him to because of, you know, like I said, they, they don't really have anybody at wide receiver. He's- so uh, the Falcons, you know, the thing about the Falcons that we have to appreciate is it is so rare for a new head coach to come in and have a Matt Ryan at quarterback and a Julio Jones at wide yeah. receiver already. Yeah, yeah. You know, that, that is, you're talking about a recipe for success. And then you're a defensive-minded coach anyway, so all you really need to do is tinker on the defense, bring in a couple new guys, get you a, a rookie first-round pick uh, who looks like to be you know, a very good edge rusher, and, and you got something. So you know, I, I think that <clears throat> Dan Quinn has definitely made a difference on that team, but, but let's not you know, get it twisted. He came into a very good situation, a team that w- didn't really have a, a deficit of talent they had a deficit of execution. Yeah. And so you already had a quarterback, already had one of the top wide receivers in the game, man. They're kind of set up to win and win for a long time. So if they can keep this going, I think they're 100% legit. I do have to say that even with this 3-0 start, you just kind of wonder how long will teams let Cam Newton beat them? Because once they decide, look, you, anybody but Cam is going to beat us, I think the Panthers are going to struggle a little bit. Yeah, and their schedule hasn't been. I mean, I, not to just shit all over their schedule, but they've had the Jaguars, Texans, and the Saints so far this season. I mean, they got the Bucks coming to town this weekend, and the Bucks, you know, with a rookie quarterback like that, can kind of be up or down week to week. But Newton has the only—he's got two rushing touchdowns, only rushing touchdowns that the uh, Panthers have scored this season. Wow, interesting. So when you factor in his five passing touchdowns that's really i mean i don't see i'm looking for defensive t- well they have some defend they have one defensive touchdown so cam newton is really responsible for all of their offensive scoring so far this <laughs> right. season exactly which gets to your point see i mean it's right now it's cam <laughs> newton carrying this offense on his back and dragging it by whatever means necessary 
and which is it's amazing and it's a credit to him and then you that you go through that whole hockey thing last week and i thought that was interesting that of course ed hockey denied it nobody should be surprised by that and cam newton yesterday this has been the best part of the whole thing is like cam newton yesterday i don't know if you saw there or not but it was what did you expect him to say <laughs> but he did the head tilt to throw some shade on it too which was just the the piece de resistance <laughs> Um, you know, you mentioned Julio Jones, and, you know, I, I wanted to talk about him, but I just don't know what to say beyond, my God, the guy's amazing. <laughs> I mean, he's on pace to break Calvin Johnson's single-season receiving record. He doesn't have, like, as amazing as his three-game stretch has been so far, it's still, statistically, hasn't measured up to that that four games or three games and 700 yards that Josh Gordon had for a stretch there with the Browns, but you know, Julio Jones and then her Julio Jones this week said, I can, I need to execute better. <laughs> That's good. I guess good. Humble, good. humble guy. Humble <laughs> lunch pail. I know there's your lunch pail player of the week right there. But I mean, have you ever, I mean, is this, is this Calvin Johnson and Randy Moss kind of the last, players you've seen with a season like what uh what julio's doing right now Steven? um i think he's more of a terrell owens type guy to me you know he, he can catch the deep ball but you know he, he's a lot more fun to watch when they run him on those wide receiver screens actually yeah and they do that quite a bit nowadays and so you get to see him and just his pure running ability after the catch man he, he's just phenomenal and he can he can go anywhere and make any kind of catch, and so uh, you know Terrell Owens was that same kind of guy, big, physical, strong guy could can make catches in, in traffic and could take you deep. So I think they're a little bit more uh, similar. They're a little bit more similar than than maybe him and Moss. But yeah. in terms of impact, you know Terrell Owens had pretty much the same kind of impact as Moss. A lot of people would say. So I mean, you know that that. The question with Julio Jones, I think everybody's wondering is, is he going to break down again physically? Because yeah. you see everybody freaking out every time he misses practice or he's limited. I was like, oh, my God, is he going to play? Because that's kind of been his history so far. But if he stays healthy, man, there's no telling what kind of records he's going to break this year. It's just incredible. I mean, he's just one of those guys that, like, you just he's just fun to watch. I mean, no matter what you're – no matter what your rooting interest is in those games, it's just to watch him play is just it's like a privilege. It's one of those, it's just one of those players, man. I mean, like I say, I, I really don't. I, I, that's not a very eloquent way to put it all, but I don't really know what else to say about the guy. <laughs> He's just fun as hell to watch, man. He makes everything look so easy. <clears throat> I remember there was yeah. one play last week. I, I think it was last week where he caught a ball on the like sideline and got two t- two taps in and. You know, it was like kind of like an over-the-shoulder grab. And he just like, it was just like a, a stroll in the park for him. Like, he just caught it over his shoulder, got his feet down, boring. Like, go to the next play. And, like, that's a really tough play for anybody. Um, and he just freaking just made it look like it was nothing. And that kind of just is a good, you know, uh, microcosm for his entire game. Like, he's just so dominant, so athletic, so big, so physical, and so technically sound. Um, you know, he's got the whole package. Obviously, that's why, you know, he's on a tear and potentially could set a new record this year. Um, and, and it's and it's a credit to, I think, Shanahan and Matt Ryan for unabashedly feeding him the rock, you know? Like, they got this guy. Let's go to him. I kind of like that, you know? Um, so, you know, it's it, it's it's been a lot of fun to watch. I totally agree. I don't think Roddy White is like that very much. <laughs> <laughs> So we'll see how that goes for the rest of the season, but I, I agree with you. You know, feed your beast. Yeah, you got to do like Roddy White, man. You can't throw him enough passes. Yeah, yeah. And Roddy White, I mean, you know, he's he's sort of in that phase of his career where he's just not quite as effective as he was there for a while. You know what I mean? The injuries have kind of injuries and age have kind of taken their toll a little bit. And in Leonard, it's it's been interesting to see Leonard Hankerson kind of emerge as you know, the second option behind Jones now down there. I mean, you know, he was kind of, you know, he never really did much in Washington, but, you know, that was also sort of via the fact that he was in Washington where right. nothing much the happens. The dude couldn't catch. I swear yeah. That guy could not catch. He'd be wide open, and he, so he could do the physical part of it, but he couldn't catch for some reason. Now, 
Uh, maybe it's those new tacky gloves that everybody's talking about. But all of a sudden, <laughs> him and, and you know, uh, uh, what's the guy? Uh, DGB. Uh, not DGB. Uh, DHB. All oh, these yeah, guys that never catch before. All these guys that can never catch before all of a sudden able to catch. So I, I, I'm, I'm feeling the league investigation coming on. <laughs> <laughs> the next piece I of equipment banned. <laughs> Listen, I wasn't I wasn't buying this whole thing about the gloves until I saw those guys making catches. <laughs> we might need a congressional investigation into this. I don't know. <laughs> That's what kills me. The Steelers keep going to DHB on that stuff, and it just and he's catching. He's I know. Catching the, I know, man. I'm, I'm sitting there like with my jaw open, like what? <laughs> Leonard Hankerson making catches over the middle? <laughs> no way. <laughs> I bet my hands are pissed off watching him right now. <laughs> As if the offensive players needed any more help than the league's already offered them. Over no the one wants to see drops, Ryan. <laughs> uh, apparently, the word of the, they don't sell those gloves in St. Louis, but that's just... <laughs> Tampa either, for that matter. I, I, I know. It's just there's, it's <laughs> only available in select cities, apparently. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. Well, gents, we're coming up on an hour. It's been a good show. We've had a lot to talk about. I, uh, I hope people stuck around for the uh, – we'll, we'll bug you on Twitter if you didn't stick around for the AFC, NFC South portion <laughs> of the show because you missed some good stuff. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I'm not Mr. Shield spokesman or anything here, but you get to these weeks, early weeks in the season, you think the schedule sucks, and lo and behold, it's, been, it's a pretty fun week of football. So Mr. Shield ambassador here. Coming at you. <laughs> so, uh, so tune in, watch the games. We'll have plenty of stuff for you. And uh, guys, we'll do this again next week, and we'll be at the quarter poll. We can hash out the uh, first quarter of the season. Sounds, Sounds good. good. All right.